All right, let's start with a word of prayer real quick. Pause just right where you are and let's pray. Glory and honor, praise and thanks be to you, God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all the mercy and faithfulness you have shown to this congregation. Your word has not returned to you void, but you have gathered here a people who knows you and fears your name. Bless your word in times to come that it may preserve the faithful in your grace. For you live and reign with one God now and forever. Amen. All right. Uh, a couple things right off the bat. Um, I've, neg- I've sort of neglected to mention this. This, this handout has been on the, on the table in the back. I know um, if Pastor Brzezik were teaching, he would be mentioning this all the time. So there's a trip to Germany, May, June. June 20th to July 1st. And it says in here, I was just glancing through it, it says that seats will fill up quickly. So act fast. If you want to join in, um, uh, you can, there's contact information and a sign-up sheet here. Um, from, what I, from what I know, these trips with, uh, with Pastor Brzezik and Pastor, Pastor Ladick and, and Dr. Just are um, without comparison. So, uh, so join in if you, if you, if you like and, and have a good time there. The baskets on the tables, um, Lutheran Church Charities is sending uh, comfort dogs over to uh, Oregon. Um, and so money in the baskets today will help support Lutheran Church Charities um, as well. I have a whole bunch of housekeeping things, so bear with me for just a second. Okay, so here's an, <laughs> um, those get, you know, the guest books uh, in the pews. Um, I have a huge favor to ask of all of you. I know all of you do a, a very good job of signing in when you're in church, but there are occasionally uh, folks who don't, who don't get the book passed to them, especially visitors. Um, so if you could, uh, as my delegates, uh, when you're in church, make sure that the books in the pews Make it all the way around. And this is important for a couple of reasons. One is because um, it, it's, it's hard for us to know whether or not you're, you're here every Sunday, and we want to know. Um, but also because we want to be able to get in touch with visitors uh, who come along. Um, that, that sort of the opportunity to say, hey, thanks for coming to church is really, is really valuable. And so um, help me out with that if you can. We're going to try a couple different things, putting guest books at the, both ends of the pews. Um, but you who are in the know... Pass, pass the books down. If you see an unfamiliar face, say, hey, sign this book um, and, uh, and, g- and give your contact information. So uh, keep that in mind. And then also we have on the screens running now um, an announcement about Christmas sharing. We're, uh, we're collecting things for Christmas sharing as we have been for the last several months. But take note of that. It, we're really sort of gearing up now. Um, things are, things are uh, sort of steady with, uh, with Bible class and uh, we're in the full swing of things. So the next big thing here, I mean, Oktoberfest is behind us. All the, the partying is done for a little while. So let's uh, uh, focus your attention on Christmas sharing and, try and pay attention to what's, uh, what's going on there um, so that you can join in um, and help out with that as well. Okay. Um, any questions? Yeah, Marianne. Do we know when we need to start sorting? I do not know that. Carol's not here, is she? Carol Holter. I suspect it's not for a little while, and she usually is, I mean, she's, Carol's done this for how many years? A long time, right? And, and so she gives us, she gives us, will give us fair warning before, uh, before it's time to start sorting. So, but thank you for asking, but pay attention, keep your eyes open in life together um, for that to come up. Anything else? Anything else? Okay, so here we are in, uh, everybody have a handout? Everybody have a Bible? Everybody have a pencil? Okay, these are the things you need today. Um, at, there's, there's homework. Okay, everybody's moving, so I'm going to just wait a second. I'm sorry. 
While you're moving, here's what I want you to think about. The first thing we're going to do is take a, take a moment to sort of recap and gather ourselves and figure out where we are. Because we've covered a lot of territory, um, as, as we often do. We've covered a lot of territory in a relatively small period of time. And I want to make sure we know where we are and what's going on and, and why, it, why it matters. So think about that um, as everybody's finding their places. And then um, we're going to... Do some collaboration here. Okay, so to this point, what, what, what have we covered? What, uh, what stories in Genesis have we covered? Creation, okay. Cain and Abel. The flood. I almost spelt that wrong. That would have been embarrassing. Okay. Um, the fall. Okay, and that's pretty much it, right? So now, um, the, the, one of the big questions that I have for you, and I want you to reflect on this for a second, is um, where is this going? I wrote this on the sheet here. Where have we been? What have we learned so far? What are the themes? Is there a progression, and can you tell where we're going? What do these, what do these stories have in common? What's the theme um, that we're sort of observing in these first chapters of Genesis? If you can sum it up, what's going on? Okay, good. Okay, now that's a great and always a great answer. Law and gospel. Can you can you be more specific, Marilyn? How? Other than creation, there was some law that was broken, or lots of laws broken in the flood story. Okay. And yet gospel, where God promised salvation through Jesus, God let Cain live. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so um, to this point, we've seen uh, we've seen sin and redemption, sin and redemption, sin and redemption. And now, uh, it's not just generically sin and redemption, right? Um, and it's not. And there's also sort of uh, there's something in between sin and redemption too, right? What what is in between sin and redemption in these stories? Think about the fall into sin, right? What comes Consequences, yeah, consequences. Okay, now this is becoming futile because you can't see it. Um, okay, so let's think about it just, just in these terms. Sin, consequences, and then forgiveness. How does that happen in the fall? What's the sin in the fall? Okay, so, so trying to be like God. Sort of the, the, it's sort of the, base, the basest of sins. The sin against the first commandment, you shall have no other gods, right? So um, Eve says, uh, I want to be like God. I want to be my own God, right? The consequences are expulsion from the garden, which denies them access to the tree of life. So they're going to... Oh, good. Okay, great. Now, um, but the promise comes how? Where does the promise fit in there? Right. So what does God say to Eve? Or what does God say? Actually, he says it to the serpent. Do you remember? Yeah. Okay. So in the fall, we're dealing with this very basic, fundamental, um, uh, all, sort of all-encompassing sin. Now when we turn to Cain and Abel, and, and so there's something, it's a different kind of sin in Cain and Abel, isn't it? 
Murder, yeah. So now we have something else at stake. So it's not, it's not a sin against God in the first place, although it is ultimately that, but it's murder. It's um, sin against uh, a fellow human being. What are the, and what are the consequences there? It's it's, it's, again, it's expulsion, right? He's, uh, Cain is sent away, but where's the grace? Where's the forgiveness? Where's the mercy? Right, right. So, um, and this is, this is crucial um, in understanding how Genesis works. We're setting up, we're setting up a paradigm. Now, the, uh, the challenging thing for us um, and, and, and for, for Christians and for students of the Bible is that um, here in the first nine chapters of Genesis, we've seen this happen three times, right? We've got a lot of Bible yet to go, Right? And it happens a lot more. Um, and this is one of the things that we talked about with, with First and Second Kings during the summer. Um, the question of sort of how long is this going to go on is, all, is sort of always in the back of our minds. Um, now, take, now take the flood. What's, what's going on in the flood? What's the sin that prompts the flood? That they were always evil all the time. Always evil all the time, right? In evil intentions all the time. Um, there are some specific examples that are given... Um, uh, violence is one of them. There's also this uh, kind of cryptic, cryptic thing about uh, the, the sons of God marrying the daughters of man, right? Um, this intermarriage between divine, divine, uh, divine creatures and, and sinful human creatures, um, which prompts God to say, what? What are the consequences? Destroy it all. Pastor Nelson did this great thing uh, during Pastor Chats. He took a, um, it was, it was really, I wish you could all have been there. He took um, an inflatable globe and he colored all over it with a wash, erasable marker and he walked up to the font and here now all the kids are sitting around the font and he dunks it in the font and of course the water flows everywhere um, as an illustration of the flood. And of course the kids thought it was fantastic. I thought it was fantastic. Um, but, that, but, that's, but that's the that's the, the, uh, the, the picture of what's going on in the flood. Now, notice how the degree of the consequences is, is, is increased, right? Um, it's, it's, it's more severe. It's, it's, uh, it's a different kind of consequence. Everybody gets wiped out. Um, what's the grace in the story? What's the mercy in the story? Noah and his family. Okay, right? They're saved. Eight souls in all, okay? So now... Um, this is, this is where we sit right now. There's one more story to come in sort of the introductory section of Genesis. We can, we can divide Genesis into, um, into a couple of sections. Chapters 1 through 11 really compose one section. Um, and one way that that section is unique from the other sections is that time, time is flying by, right? Ten generations from Adam to Noah, ten generations from Noah to Abraham, okay? So we cover 20 generations in the first 11 chapters, and then chapter 12 comes along, and we spend a really long time with Abraham, okay? So just, it slows down all of a sudden. So this introductory section is telling us about the, this pattern that emerges. Um, sin, consequences, forgiveness. And there's one more story to come, the Tower of Babel, and we're going to get to that in just a second. But I want to go back to um, Noah for just a minute and wrap, and wrap things up with Noah. If you were going to, if you were going to um, summarize, if you were going to say in... Uh, in short terms, what, uh, what the story of the flood is about. What is it about? What's the message of that story? Um, how, how would you do that? What would you say? God 
God preserves his creation. God preserves his creation. Okay. Um, can, uh, can you add more to that? Is there, is there more? Uh, um, expand on it a little bit. God preserves his creation. He, um, he provides cleansing. Yeah. Right. Right. And this is, um, this, is, this is really important for us to understand. Um, and it's very difficult for us to understand. That uh, God's act of cleansing the earth is, in fact, an act of mercy. Right? Just like in baptism, uh, when he drowns the old man in us, right, through baptism, um, which, is, which is a violent thing, right, and not something that we enjoy. We don't like having the old man drowned, right? In fact, I rather like him, and I'd like to keep him around if I could. But he, he drowns the old man in baptism, and uh, it's, it's an act of mercy. It's an act of love. It's an act of clemency on his part, because unless he gets rid of that, uh, the, the earth will, in the case of the flood, the earth is going to destroy itself. The, the, the humanity is going to destroy itself, right? Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Um, open up your Bible. Oh, sorry, Dave. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, one, another movement I see is this begins with individual sins. Yeah. But it's also telling us that individual sins do not remain individual; they become collective. That's right. So now, hang on to that thought for a second. Um, here we have a sin between man and God. Here we have a sin, man against man. Here we have a sin of society, right? Sort of, sort of the, 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 the degradation of society. The Tower of Babel um, is an, is, takes it a step further. We'll talk, about that in just, we'll talk about that in just a second. But I want to spend just a minute looking at um, what the rest of the Bible has to say about Noah and the flood. There are some really important, some useful um, things that are said about Noah and the flood, starting with Jesus himself. Open up to... Matthew chapter 24 in your Bible. Matthew chapter 24, verse, verse 36. Now, um, well, you'll see right away what Jesus is talking about. Um, and he, Jesus is, is saying in, in, some, in some sense that the, 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 the place we find ourselves right now, um, living in as sinners in this fallen world with judgment on its way is not unlike how things were at the time of Noah. So this is what Jesus says, verse 36. But concerning that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. Therefore stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Okay. And when Jesus says things like that, we, we, we tend to prefer to think that he's, thinking, that he's speaking to like the Pharisees, right? Because uh, um, it, it's such a stern warning, right? Stay awake. Um, because for you, it's going to be as it was in the days of Noah. You're not going to know when it's going to come, and he's going to come like a thief in the night. Now, what is, with the, with the story of Noah in view, what's the assurance that we have? 
what is, how do we know um, that we're going to be safe in that day? Relating it to remembering the story of Noah. How do we know? And what does baptism do for us? Okay. It cleanses us. Um, think, about, uh, think about why Noah was chosen to be saved. Okay. Now, uh, here we have, to, we have to invert things a bit, right? It's not because he was, it's not because he was faithful. Because God found favor in him, right? So what does baptism do for you? It cleanses you because God has found favor with you, right? Not because, uh, because of your cleanliness. He cleanses you because he's found favor with you, right? Now this is, um, I mean, it's a remarkable, remarkable thing. And uh, we, we often find ourselves, you know, sort of grasping at, at, uh, at indications, at, at reasons to, reasons to, you know, to, to know for confidence, reasons to be secure. Um, our security is not found anywhere except in that um, in our baptism, as in the time of Noah, God found favor with us. Okay? And the, the, the demonstration of that is that he, that he gives himself to you, that he's, that he's done that for you, that he's cleansed you. Okay? Um, he's washed away the world and you were the one on the ark. Okay? Um, and and that's, that's why uh, clinging to your baptism is not just remembering some, some you know, festive occasion in your life, but it's remembering the day that you were saved from certain destruction. Okay? Any questions? Okay, let's look at another one. Hebrews. Now, when I, when I wrote the um, description for this Bible study, I had Hebrews in mind because we were going to talk about men of faith, the faithful patriarchs. Um, and here we get, we get a glimpse in Hebrews of what, that, what faith looks like uh, in Noah. So Hebrews 11 and the first seven verses. Now, this sort of sums up everything we've seen so far. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 7. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, though he was commended, through which he was commended as righteous, God commending him by accepting his gifts. And through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. He found favor with God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Now, what's remarkable about this is, so faith is crucial. Faith is central to the story of Noah, right? So faith um, indicates how Noah believed God. And again, faithfulness follows God's favor. First God's favor, then faithfulness. But how does Noah's faithfulness manifest itself? Well, he trusted in God that God was going to destroy the world. He trusted God that he should build this ark. And in doing so, note what he says. He actually participated. He participated in the condemnation of the world and becoming an heir of the righteousness of faith. So that those who are, um, those who are favored by God and receive receive faith in God um, are not just outside observers, but they are actually 
actors in God's kingdom. We saw this, um, we saw this when uh, Noah sends out the raven, right? This carrion bird that, that, that eats the flesh of those who, are, who have died in the flood and are floating on the surface of the water, right? He joins in the condemnation of the world. Not delighting in it, of course, but he's participating in it, okay? Um, so all along you see, you see how the flood is, uh, is not just... Now, this is, this is really kind of one of, the, one of the, the, the key points that I want to convey. Genesis, and especially Genesis 1 through 11, is not simply uh, a chronicle of events that happened at the beginning of history, right? It's not, if it was, if, it, that's, if that's what it was supposed to be, um, there's a lot of details that are missing and um, the chronicler was not very good <laughs> at telling us what we want to know, right? It's something, mu- it's something much more than that. Um, it's, it's telling us things that happened that have uh, significance in perpetuity, right? Significance that goes on and on so that even in the New Testament and even today as we baptize our children, we, uh, we recall the flood and, uh, and, and, and have that in, as a view of God's salvation, okay? So uh, just a couple more things. Let, let's, uh, well, for the sake of time, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's move on. You can read First and Second Peter. Peter really loves Noah um, and the flood. You know what he says about him. He says, uh, uh, through, through the flood, God saved Noah and his family, eight souls in all. This is a picture of baptism by which you're saved, right? So there, there's, that's how we, that's, that's, Peter lays it out for us quite clearly, right? Um, any questions? Okay. Then to conclude the story of Noah, um, Take a look at the Sally Lloyd-Jones quotation. She sums things up so nicely. Um, she says, this is, uh, this is right, be- right beneath those, uh, those uh, scripture references. She says, It wasn't long before everything went wrong again. But God wasn't surprised. He knew this would happen. That's why before the beginning of time, he had another plan, a better plan. A plan not to destroy the world, but to rescue it. A plan to one day send his own son the rescuer, okay? So destruction, the destruction of the world, the eradication of wickedness, um, and, and, and saving his people from evil in, in the world is sort of a temporary fix, right? Something better is coming. Um, because, all, because finally, if, if uh, the eradication of evil is, is, is all that God's going to accomplish, then we're done for as well, right? There has to be something better. And that's what, that's, what, uh, that's what Jesus has in mind. Okay. Now, any questions? Turn, turn to um, the back side of your handout. We're going to do the Tower of Babel. And this is, this is uh, I'm going to tell you right up front that this is experimental. Um, I've, I went, when I, I've taught the high schoolers, um, I've had them uh, work on things like this with me. And it's a little bit easier because I can say to them, okay, you get up and go to the board and circle this or that thing, but you, I, you, I imagine you are less inclined to do that. And so I need, I need uh, group participation here. Um, and what we're going to do, you, you see the very same text that you have um, on your sheet up on the screen. And what we're going to do is, um, first I'm going to read the story. And this story is, is an example, is a premier example of... Um, of ancient Near Eastern literature, okay? Uh, it exhibits the char- uh, incredible characteristics of form and design, right? It's not just a telling of the story, but it's very carefully crafted. And what I want you to do is to try and 
discern the form, okay? And I'll give you, I'll give you some hints along, along the way, but here are the things you're going to be looking for. Uh, you know that, uh, that oftentimes um, the structure of a text looks like this, right? A, B, A prime, okay? So we're looking for that throughout this text. Here's another way that, this te- that texts often work. Uh, we go A, B, C, A prime, B prime, C prime. Now, uh, this text does both of those things. And so what you're looking for in this text is things that are repeated, things that are familiar. And uh, what I'll do is, once, once we read through it and you identify them, I'm going to highlight them and we'll show you, I'll show you the structure. Um, and what it does, the, the ultimate purpose of this is to see where the center of the story is, to see what the point of the story is, okay? So here's how it goes. Now, the whole earth had one language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. And they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over all the face of the earth, or the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore its name was called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. Okay. It's very, it's very short, really. I mean, in terms, of, uh, in terms of Bible stories, it's pretty short, and we don't get a lot of detail, but it's tightly packed. So what do you see? Tell me what you see in there. I've got to give myself some room to work here. Uh, so you see uh, a people who uh, come together with a plan. Okay. Yeah, can we do that? If not, if not, you can throw out ideas too. No, that's right. Uh, so, you, I, I would say that A is uh, the people migrating. Okay. Uh, to to a place and stuff. Okay, perfect. Okay, so if uh, settling there, here I'm going to highlight this. Watch this. This is really cool. Um, <laughs> they settled there. Perfect. What's A prime? Uh, a prime is. Yeah, perfect. Way to go, Mike. That's excellent. The Lord dispersed them from there. Bingo. Okay. Everybody see what's going on? Okay. I wish I was handier at this. Okay. What else? What else do you see? They, they like, make their, it kind of goes through, they make their plan. So you, like, have the ABC and then, so they all have one language. They say that they're going to go build a city so that, and then so that they won't be dispersed. Okay. And then you have the prime. So God says, look, they all have one language. Or he sees that they're building and he says, they all have one language. They're doing, um, and nothing will be impossible for them. So that they, and then he built, and then he dispersed them. Okay. So their language and you, you hit on that word dispersed, which I think is a key here. So now I'm going to do something different because this is not a... A, B, A prime. This is, this is an example of A, B, C, A, B, C. Okay, so we have Lord disperse them here. Watch this. 
This is different now. Lest we be dispersed. You can't see it very well, can you? Can you turn the lights down? Can somebody turn the lights down? <laughs> Let me make it bolder. How about this? Is that better? Okay. All right. Good. What else? Keep going. This is great. Uh, can I say that when they actually begin to build uh, the tower, okay. uh, I'd label it but uh, you have this, this come let us language. Come let us. Okay, so like right here, come let us make bricks. Yeah. Okay. The same word that the Blessed Trinity uses. That's absolutely right. So come let us make bricks, and God says, come let us go down. Can you see that? Okay. Yep. That's, that's very good, right. So they're going to build a tower up. God's coming down. Good. What else? You see anything else in there? You're, you're, this, you're, you're getting the sense for how things are repeated. So, um, they settled there. They were dispersed from there. Come, let us go down. Come, let us make bricks. Oh, they all have one language. They all have one language. So, that, would, that's really, that really sort of sets the beginning right here. They have one language at the beginning. And, and at, at the end... Uh, they confused the language over the whole earth. So there was no longer one language. Okay. So we're getting close to finding the middle, right? I mean, in the middle, of course, is in the middle. But what's... <laughs> let's narrow it down. Do you see any repetition in between, in between those two yellow parts? The Lord came down. Okay. The Lord came down. Is that repeated anywhere? Okay. So, that's the middle. Um, now... Here's, another, here's another, um, another repetition that helps elucidate it. Come, let's build ourselves a city and a tower. Okay. And God came down to see the city and the tower that they had made, which the children of Matt had made, right? So they, again, were the authors of it. Good. Okay. So you see how it narrows us down towards, and the Lord came down to see. Okay. Now this has gotten... A little out of hand here. So, um, here's how it looks if, uh, if you uh, do it like that. Okay. So, you can see this structure um, where things are repeated, uh, A, B, C, D, E, D prime, and so forth. But then also you have one language, one another, let us build ourselves, let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed. And then one language, one another, uh, they left off building this city. Its name, not their names, its name was called Babel, and the Lord dispersed them, right? So you have two, two chunks, and the middle is, and the Lord came down to see. Can you maybe turn the lights back up now for, so we don't all go to sleep? Um, okay, thank you. So, so you see how the story is crafted. Um, what's the point of the story? Okay, but... Uh, be more, be, be, uh, expand on it a little bit. What's the point? Well, part of the story is that you can't get to God yourself, but God has to. Right, right, yeah. So um, now, so, if, so you can't get to God. They, they, they have, in this, have in mind all of these terrible things, right? First of all, we're going to build a tower that's going to reach to heaven, right? 
we're going to we're going to go where where God is, and we're going to become like God. So in that sense, it's very similar to uh, the the sin of Adam and Eve, right? So they're going to go to God, and what are they going to make for themselves? A name. Now it's 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 a remarkable thing because um, of course God has given man uh, God gave Adam the authority to name all the animals, right? But who names who names man? God does. Right? God doesn't make, a man does not make a name for himself. God makes a name for him. Right? And, and, and here again, I mean, the, the significance of, of, of naming in baptism is really, is really important. Right? What, who, what name are you called by in baptism? None other than the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Right? Um, it's not a name that you make for yourself. If you try and make a name for yourself, what do you end up with? <clears throat> Babel. Right? Which is... Um, it's the, same, it's the same word uh, for Babylon, right, which is the great target of all of the prophets, right, the great um, de- uh, des- destructor of God's people, Babylon. If you try to make a name for yourself, um, the result is Babel and dispersion. Now, think about it, think about it in relation to um, this sequence that we've seen. So we, somebody mentioned going, we're, we're moving from, individ- from individual sins to uh, corporate sins, What's, uh, what's going on here? It's corporate, but is it, di- is it different in character? How, how, yeah, Alex. It's the, same sin, it's the same sin as in the fall as they're trying to make themselves like God, but it's, like, it's not just individual, it's a corporate. Right. Like, you have individual sin against God, individual sin against one another, then with the flood it's sinning against one another. Right. Not, and then with this you have corporate sin against Right. And, and this, is a really, this is a challenging thing for us to hear. Um, who are uh, constantly barraged by sort of humanistic thinking, um, and 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 not always for bad reasons. So um, think about what 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 societies and uh, and um, collaborative enterprises can accomplish, right? So the scientific revolution we can cure all kinds of diseases. People don't suffer as much as they did before. People don't go as hungry as they did before. We can communicate and alleviate violence that's as a result of misunderstanding, right? All of these great things that we can do. But what's, what's the problem with that? What's the problem if we can do that, Marianne? Well, then you're taking credit for yeah. what God basically should be. Right. Right. It's, this, it's, it's in some sense a really counterintuitive thing that society, civilization, which we take for granted to be a good thing, can... Uh, become an idol in itself, right? Because as soon as men, as soon as people get together and succeed, right, at overcoming obstacles and, um, and, and putting away suffering, what do you need God for anymore, right? Um, and, and so in that sense, it's, a, it's sort of like the, the, the last piece in the puzzle of a warning about how, uh, of how sin is infectious, of how sin is pernicious, how it gets to us, right? Um, and how Christians, uh, and the people of God, are called to a different kind of society, a different kind of civilization, which doesn't, which doesn't strive after sovereignty or independence from God, but which receives all things from God. And this, of course, is one of the, one of the big challenges that we face, that, that churches face. Um, and I, so I say this all the time uh, because, because I think it's true about St. John. We, uh, we have, uh, we're very fortunate, we're blessed that, um, that you all have come together at church to St. John 
first to receive his gifts, to receive Jesus' gifts, and then to enjoy each other's company, right? If ever we find ourselves reversing that, right? If ever we become a social club or, um, you know, just, just gathered around common interests, we're not, we're not the church anymore, right? Because uh, then we, we put ourselves in the place of God. We put our achievements, our accomplishments in the place, in the place of God's work. You see what I mean? Um, and, and so now, th- again, this is really, this flies in the face of everything that, everything that the world hopes for, right? Because um, all of the efforts of, of politicians and of, uh, you know, humanitarian uh, organizations, all of those efforts are to do one of the things which is perhaps most dangerous, right? Not that they, sh- not that they shouldn't do that, but that it has to be done in a guarded way, okay? Does that make sense? Any questions? So this is really where the, where, the, where the story of the Tower of Babel takes us. Now, um, here's the next part. Uh, in all of these other stories, we saw sin, consequence, and forgiveness. Okay, so the sin is, uh, as we've described, what are the consequences of the sin? Dispersion, right? Um, so they can't, it's just like God said in the garden, right? We're going to ex- expel them from the garden so they can't eat from the tree of, the life, of life lest they live forever, right? He says, he says something very similar here. He says, let us go down and confuse their language. Um, just above that, verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people and they all have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Right? So the consequence of, um, of you know, making their accomplishments their God is that they don't get to accomplish things anymore. Right? Their languages have been confused, so they can't. They can't succeed. Now, uh, where's, the, where's the mercy, the gospel, the good news in this story? Good answer. Um, it's, uh, in, in fact, where's my handout? Thank you. I don't know where it went. Um, okay, so they're still alive. That's a good answer. Um, they... Uh, the, the, it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem like there's any positive outcome to this story. Mike, go ahead. Maybe it puts them back at square one to relying on God rather than themselves. Okay, so that so uh, just just as we've said all along, the consequences to sin are a sign of God's love. Um, look at what happens. Look at what happens next. Genesis 12, and here we're just going to peek ahead to what what what's coming next in Genesis. Genesis 12, verses one through three. So we've had the Tower of Babel, chapter 11. We have a genealogy which gives us the, the, the ten generations that lead to Abraham. And then we have the introduction of Terah, Abram's father, and Lot, Abram's cousin. And then 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation... And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay, so you see how in this word to Abraham, all of the, all of the, the, the consequences in the Tower of Babel are, are undone through the promise that's given to Abraham. One, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to make your name great, right? You don't get to make your own name great. I'm going to 
make your name great, right? It's going to be because of me that your name is great. And I'm going to bless all nations in you, okay? Um, it's not that uh, by choosing Abraham, by choosing Israel, God excludes all the nations of the world. Um, but it's, in fact, this, this sort of scandalous thing that through one nation, through one man, God is going to bring together to preserve all the nations of the world. And we see this a couple of times. I want to show you just uh, a couple of instances. Um, look, I'll read it to you really quickly here. Isaiah chapter 66. Um, this is what God aims at in, in saving his people Israel. Isaiah 66, verses 18 through 23. This is what God says. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory, and I will set a sign among them. They shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and in chariots and in litters and on mules and on dromedaries to my holy mountain Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring grain offerings. Okay? So all nations are going to come to Jerusalem. This is what we pray for in the, the prayer that comes just before the Lord's Supper, right? Uh, that we would celebrate uh, gathered together from, from the ends of the earth, right? All the faithful uh, from all nations. Um, we're, we're praying that God would undo the consequences that he's done in, uh, that, he's, that he's leveled against people in the Tower of Babel. And also, uh, you, know, you, know it, you, you know how this has started to happen. Um, you know a story uh, in Acts, where this already began, right? Um, Pentecost. Uh, the, the apostles were stood up, and, stood up and preached, and there were people from every, every nation speaking all different kinds of languages. And what happened? Um, everybody could understand the words that were coming out of the apostles' mouths, right? So, so it's not just that uh, God provides um, sort of temporary, uh, uh, temporary relief from the consequences, but that as... as Israel's history goes along, and as Jesus comes and introduces his kingdom, he is, in fact, undoing all of the consequences that have, that, that the consequences of sin that have come before, right? And, and, and using, um, using these means of saving the world in a way that doesn't re- result in our destruction, that results in our salvation. Okay? Any questions? You look like you have lots of questions. Okay. All right. Yeah, think about it for a little while. Come back next week for your questions. Ask Pastor Nelson. Let's, uh, let's pray. <laughs> Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. By the way, just one, one thing. I, I realized um, there's a quotation from Sir Gawain and the Green Knight on your page there, and I didn't tell you what that was about, which you might think is very strange if you were just reading that. The, one of the other features uh, that's, hard to, that's hard to glean from the English in the story of the Tower of Babel is, a, is alliteration in Hebrew. Um, the story is just full of N sounds and B sounds. And so I gave you this example of, the, of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight um, as, you know, just, just to, sort of as a reference. It's a lot easier in Hebrew to, to use alliteration as, a, as a, a, a tool to highlight things because there aren't very many letters in Hebrew, in the Hebrew language. And so, um, but you see, you see that all over the place. Anyway, just in case you thought I accidentally cut and paste something else, 
on that sheet. That's what that was about. Okay. <laughs>